0: Blair, I need your. I call out. He picks up his pace and me. His arms scooping up my. I got you, baby girl. He half smiles at me. I let go of the breath I was holding and shake. Oh my god! I sigh. That was so.
1: <laughs> You're a mess. This is ridiculous. <laughs>
2: um nicole yes the first buckets at large Mm -hmm. are about to hear something i like to call podcast magic it is magic i don't know what that
0: sound is it's like the little magic particles going through the air one more time
2: I see. I see. Yeah, I could. No, you're right. That was magic. Mm-hmm. I feel it. I feel it.
0: Oh, man. We are about to have a conversation mm. with a thirst object. I mean, he's a thirst object for at least two generations of
2: people. Isn't that just legendary to begin with? Oh, man. Like, it's just I'm so excited. Yeah. I, I think here's the thing. The thing about this particular thirst object is, as you mentioned, he's probably a minimum like a first object for two generations. Mm-hmm. He doesn't look it though. No, he's consistently moisturized. Yes, consistently smooth skinned uh. Eyes bright. <laughs> like I am. I, I'm. I'm tingling. Yes. Um. He has
0: a 35 year career. Oof. And it doesn't seem like he's going to stop anytime soon. Come on, longevity. Um. He is currently starring uh, on Broadway in a soldier's play. Oh god. Um. And he's just. He
2: smells so good. I mean,
0: he smells so good. <laughs> I can't stop grinning. I'm really happy today. I'm so excited. My mother and my sister are going to just die from jealousy. Every person I know,
2: uh you may have already heard uh just the echo of a of a <laughs> chuckle, a warm chuckle in the background. It
0: belongs to a very special guest. Um yes, that chuckle belongs to a Mr. Blair Underwood. Yes. I mean, legend. I'm so
1: okay. happy.
3: Oh, Lord. I am oh. so happy. <laughs> you two are hilarious. No,
2: no, fun no. Out. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Uh, Blair Underwood, you don't even know how much we have spoken about you on this podcast, fleetingly oh. or Im, or Im, you're, you're gonna yes. find out.
0: <laughs> um, so we're gonna try to start from the beginning, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, Crush Groove, mm-hmm. 1985. You played the character based on Russell Simmons. Mm-hmm. It is um, a classic film <laughs> in music history, in 80s history. Like, it is it is fantastic. Um, great soundtrack. But you were also one of few, very few actors, like, people who were actually actors on that set. Yeah. Um, everyone else was a musician or part of the music industry, uh, whatever. And I wanted to know, um, how did that feel? Did, were you very nervous about being, like, the only person who had studied, who had experience as an actor being involved um, in this kind of production with just musicians.
3: Yeah, you know, I was. I was one of few. Lisa Gay Hamilton was also in that um, production, who's now starring on uh, on Broadway in To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because I had just come out of Carnegie Mellon. I had studied acting and in, in theater, so I had a certain amount of confidence that I was, you know, I had had been trained in this craft. But, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a dichotomy. There's a huge difference between competency and even talent mm. and popular culture popularity. Mm. You know, so I was on a set with Run DMC, Curtis Blow, The Fat Boys, um, The New Edition, even, mm-hmm. um, and <laughs> Sheila E. Mm-hmm. You know, so these were all huge stars in their own right. So, you know, um, and they hadn't done, neither one, none of them had done a lot of acting. Mm-hmm. So I think it kind of balanced out and And my character was the lead character in this film, so, yeah, there's definitely nerves because I don't know this world. Mm-hmm. you know I, was, I had just come out of college i was 20, 20, 21 years old at the oh, time gosh. and all this all this stuff about entourages, you're talking about entourages yeah. and managers and agents and Tour buses. I said, "Dude, just me I just want my little room. I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to pay my dues yeah. and come on up." But um, but it did give me a certain amount of confidence because I felt like I had I, I knew as as you do at 21 years old, right. Just gonna, getting out of college. But I kind of knew a little bit what uh, what we we're doing in terms of the craft and the work and then the acting aspect of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm.
3: <laughs> um,
0: yeah so you started there you started um on television as well you had a couple appearances on the cosby show it's mm-hmm. two different characters but yeah. you were there and that as kind of that jobbing actor like yeah i'll take <laughs> it <laughs> um but that also kind of helped land helped you land uh la law which mm-hmm. is what helped kind of push your star up into the sky oh, it,
3: it, it was my big break yeah yeah,
0: yeah um I want to play a little clip Uh-oh. from L.A. Law.
4: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we pulling out clips now. Yes. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> uh. UCLA, Harvard Law, editor of the Law Review, Ames Competition, best oralist. Well, I am impressed, Mr. Rollins. Thank you, sir. Tell us a bit about yourself. Well, let's see. My, uh, my mother's an attorney. My father's a professor of economics at UC Riverside. I've uh, clerked for the past few summers at Felder, Ivy, McCoy. As a matter of fact, they offered me a permanent position. But under the heading, less is more, I think that a small, prestigious firm such as Mackenzie Brackman could be more responsive to my personal needs. Or at least Bill Howard thinks so. Bill Howard? As in Howard Enterprises? Yes, sir. He's been a close personal friend of my family for years. Uh, That's how Mr. Rollins came to our attention. He also told me that you have a real commitment to minority hiring that goes beyond tokenism, that... Means a lot to me. Well, Mr. Rawlins, your education is top draw, your family connections are impressive. I think you could fit in quite nicely. Thank you. What would you be looking for in the way of compensation? 72.5. And I wouldn't be opposed to your designating a percentage of that as a signing bonus. Excuse me, but <clears throat> we've been starting our associates pretty much commensurate with the going rate, which, as I'm sure you're aware, is considerably lower. I understand, sir, but I've already been offered 71 with Horton Gold. So much for your doctrine of less is more. (laughs) Sometimes more is more. (laughs) (laughs) Well, perhaps we could reach as high as 57.5? With all due respect, Mr. Brackman, this is not a negotiation. (laughs) Gentlemen, it's been a genuine honor and a pleasure. Thank you very much.
2: Okay, so. Uh, All right.
4: Wow, that's (laughs) taking me back.
2: What I love so much is just the little pause, like, well, I think we're done here. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's right. That's magic on my soul. (laughs) It was just kind of like, truly and confidently, not kind of like, there's no tentative dropping. It's like, no, no, a full good day to you, sir. Mm. That's right. And then, oh, my heart. (laughs) And that was when. 1987?
3: 1987. That's right. I was 21 years old. So
2: again, just imagine being... I mean, here's the thing. There weren't like massive numbers of like young black men on TV. not at all. And then you come along and yes, you know, it's kind of like a bit of, oh yeah, the black guy's articulate, blah, blah, blah. But you're a lawyer I, one of the things I love about the writing in that scene is kind of like it, it doesn't wear itself too heavily so his, you know the character just says yeah my mother was an attorney He has our close family relationship with this person and mm-hmm. blah 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 and I yeah you know I've done all this stuff and then they try to lowball him and he never even blinks he's just kind of like no not gonna do that
1: yeah
2: it's wildly arousing even in nineteen eighty <laughs> I was just like yes
3: wildly arousing imagine
2: yes. it's just it's
0: anyway Nicole yes. and I want I want to know? Um, did playing that character and that scene also help you figure out how to negotiate your worth in Hollywood on a broader level? Like once you started to accept more roles and things like... Oh,
3: that? Oh yeah, no, it's a good, it's a great question because you're right. You know, he was seen oftentimes. The articles came out at that time that he's articulate, mm-hmm. and it kind of bothered me at a while. It's like mm-hmm. black folks are very articulate. It's mm-hmm. like, why are you surprised that this person can speak the King's English? At, mm-hmm. You know, at that. But also, he was articulate, but he was also very bold. Mm-hmm. Um, slash arrogant, mm-hmm. and I quite liked playing that because he was he was unapologetically brilliant, mm-hmm. black, mm-hmm. smart, and and unafraid. To speak his mind and speak to power, speak truth to power. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, no, that, that didn't. And the fact that people responded to that particular. That was my very first scene. Mm-hmm. That was the introduction of the character. Yeah. And the fact that people responded the way they did to that character said, oh, OK, so maybe this is the way to be not arrogant, but to be bold mm-hmm. and to be unapologetic. Mm-hmm. Mm,
2: I mm. like that. I like I like the boldness because he yeah. really was. Yeah. And yes, the character over the years, you know, yes, it slipped into arrogance often. Mm-hmm. But I also just like this idea of just like knowing your worth, stating your worth, yeah. And then if that is not met, very. You know, very simply, just kind of going. I guess I'm not going to live here, but thank you so much. Yeah, and then good day.
3: We'll talk about this. There's shades of that in the character I'm playing now on Broadway, Captain right. Davenport. You've yes. seen, but we'll get yes. to that. Yeah. Yes,
2: okay, <laughs> so that's great. Because I, I—that's the thing. I didn't watch a lot of L. A. Law. Like it was always like because you know it's one of those exports that would come on at like you know 11 p.m. in the U.K. when I was a kid. So it's like mm-hmm. I'm not going to. Oh, really? Yeah, it was kind of late. It wasn't. Uh, it didn't come on like primetime. but mm. it was on TV. And I because that's how I remember seeing you like in a suit, being a lawyer, and I was like, all right, cool. I know that I know that guy now. Mm -hmm. it was on sky right Because
3: i remember i came to london and promoted it
2: i don't i don't remember i don't think we had sky but i think it must have come on on something i must i know i I definitely remember watching Ah, so it's kind of like where did i watch it i couldn't tell you but i remember kind of thinking oh yeah this is it wasn't like one of the i I saw it probably as a rerun later Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but i just remember kind of again just understanding that this guy is doing something that i suppose i haven't seen a lot of yeah and it felt exhilarating even then to kind of watch just kind of like someone just like be in charge of their own life in a way that felt very kind of like hands-on mm. and not kind of like a, a, a waiting for something to happen but was doing yeah same. yeah i always not found being that defined just really by great. somebody else's notion of Exa- what we should be exactly yes. should present um, ourselves yeah. Yeah, yeah. And
0: yeah and this idea that we have to make ourselves small and be grateful for the little bit that we receive Ooh. no i am a, i'm a good I'm good at what I do and you need to pay me accordingly that's right my <laughs> mother
3: used to always say never dim your light for anybody
0: yes
2: there you go,
3: yeah. yes. there you go. Ah, we haven't shown
1: each listen it. I'm
2: just
3: like
2: <laughs> <laughs> my hands are doing things and I'm just kind of like who yes <laughs> but it's it's very true I'm feeling something yes. I'm, like, yeah, I'm feeling it it's great yes. it's great <laughs>
0: One of the comparisons that was made a lot when you first came onto the scene, of course, uh, because you played very smooth, debonair, uh, classy mm-hmm. characters, was to Sidney Poitier. Mm. And I wonder if you found that restrictive at any point. I mean, it's, a, it's a fine compliment yeah. because he is one of the finest actors that we have ever seen. Mm. But I wonder if you felt like, that's great, but I am Blair Underwood
3: no it's an extraordinary compliment he's um the inspiration of why i wanted to become an actor actually so um so no not not that comparison to be it wasn't restrictive at all um but but yes what is restrictive sometimes is when people see you play a certain role Mm. or a certain type of role in a certain genre too many times that's all they can see so it's incumbent upon that actor or entertainer to have you got to break the mold Mm-hmm. so you have to do different things you gotta mm-hmm. change it up switch it up and surprise mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. you're constantly surprising people you have to otherwise you you know you just you're taking taking for granted and you say oh I know I know what he can do
1: mm-hmm.
3: it's always beautiful when you can surprise people and say oh no no you, you ain't even seen half of it yet
0: yeah like um, in oh was it 1993
3: Posse yeah you
2: were look, look, look um, at Nicole uh, she's not even you. looking
3: at notes <laughs> pulling it from thin air.
2: She remember The North remembers. Nicole remembers. Um, Posse did a lot
0: for me as a
2: teenager. No, I yeah. Your eyes are so bright right now. I did a lot for me. Oh, well, she's it blushing. Did. Why is she Let's blushing? Listen, she's very happy right now. Explain uh, yourself, Nicole. Okay. Posse, you
1: mm. played
0: the character Carver, who was um, the sheriff of the town that the men were trying to get to, Freemanville. Right. Yeah, right? yeah, that's right. But Carver was a double crosser. Mm-hmm that was a turn for you, right? Um, Because you were normally playing these, you know, confident, men but likable
3: positive morally yeah, p- upright yes. Yes. yes yes the noble negro Again. yes
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, i didn't even say that and yes it's true perfect hey. yes okay
0: um, yes so carver can you talk about your decision um process in choosing to play this character and did it speak to that idea of let me change up what people think of me
3: yeah it, it did from an intellectual standpoint it's it's nice and knowing in the importance of changing it up uh, but from a creative standpoint, thats I've always been drawn to, and now you can look at 30 year career, I've always been drawn to bad guys. Mm-hmm. They're always more interesting to play. The good guy, you know what to expect, you know what you're gonna get, right. which is great. Again, like the character I'm playing now, mm-hmm. Davenport and Soldiers Play, you know you know what the good guy's gonna do. Bad guy, you don't know, there's mystery
1: mm-hmm. in there,
3: which 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 I love to always explore it in mine. Um, so yeah, so I knew creatively it gave me a chance to really do the things I really love to do, and also su- surprise people if they're used to seeing me play the upstanding, articulate, brash attorney at that point mm-hmm. and um, and the noble Negro, that archetype, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, it's always nice to flip it around. I mean, now it's so funny because now I'm at the point now, my, my little niece sent me a meme a year ago and had a picture of all these uh, black actors mm-hmm. and my face was in there, she said, whenever these actors show up on the scene, you know a bitch is about to get slapped. <laughs> I was like, like, wait a minute now, that's that's how you see me? He said, well, no, you always play the bad guys, which is funny because I said, well, baby, you don't know my work because right. I've actually, the first 10 years of my life, what I was here, and I yeah. still hear today, like sometimes in the same 20 minutes, I'll see somebody on the street, why, you always play the good guys?
1: Oh, wow. And turn
3: around and say, why do you always play the bad guys? Mm. Uh, you know. So that's, that's I'm grateful for that yeah. because that's a body of work. Um to pick and choose from.
2: Yeah. Speaking but, of... But,
3: but, I'm sorry to say, but Carver and Posse was the beginning of that. Mm. And then Just Cause, was which was the big... Um, Paradigm shift in my career came Mm -hmm. next with Sean Connery and Lawrence Fishburne, where I played a serial killing pedophile. Mm It was a huge Warner Brothers studio film, yeah, Yeah. and uh, and that changed my the direction of my career.
0: Yeah, you didn't get necessarily backlash, but a lot of you know a lot of the aunties were a little upset with that character, Mm -hmm. if I remember from Just Cause, Uh, Bobby Bobby L.
3: Bobby Earl, Bobby Earl. Yeah.
0: Do you remember that? Do you remember any of
3: that? Not really.
0: Oh wow! (laughs) I don't. don't, Maybe it was just you know the maybe (laughs) the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Around like you know nail salon and stuff like that you know what I
3: felt like I got um, uh, permission to do that because at the time and I have to say Mr. Portier has uh, availed himself over the years Hmm. um, and has been supportive in everything I've done every live theater production I've done he's been there to support um and until the last couple of years, he's, he's been getting older, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that time, we were having lunch, and I told him, I, it was after seven years of L.A. law. Mm-hmm. So was, L.A. law was coming to an end.
1: Right.
3: And I was offered this role in Just Cause. And I said, I'm struggling with that because, you know, because there weren't a lot of us at that time, African-Americans on film and television. Mm-hmm. So I said, so I'm going to take this this image that I've been able to build for the last seven years and now play a serial killing pedophile who raped and murdered this white 12-year-old white girl mm-hmm. in the South. That's the setup of the movie. Yeah. And in that movie, Lawrence Fishburne plays a cop who you think is the bad guy who's mm-hmm. just sweating my character, Bobby Earle. <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: Turns out, long story short, turns out he's the good guy. He was right all along. And mm-hmm. I'm the bad guy. You think in the beginning is the good guy. And you're yeah. like, why are they sweating him? Because I get arrested and this, that, and the other.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And, um, and Mr. Poitier said, you know, there has to come a time. When I came along, speaking of myself, in the 60s, I had to always play the upstanding positive roles. Mm-hmm. He said, at this point, there's Denzel, there's Danny Glover, Sam Jackson, he ran down the list of other black actors who've come along and said, now you're coming up through the ranks. There has to come a time when we should have the right mm-hmm. and the ability to play all kinds of characters, the breadth of humanity. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I remember, I'll never forget, He said, so, he said, so you play that role and you play it well. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh my god I love it that was uncanny so, <laughs> wow
3: so I felt like when, in answer to your question I yes. felt like I had permission from the man I respected so much mm-hmm. and he spoke truth you know mm-hmm. you know, there was, it was a shifting time and more of our voices and faces yeah. and representation was being seen in film and television so mm-hmm. I said so I didn't have any re- reservations from that conversation I I'm said I'm gonna do it
1: Mm. Oh, that's great!
3: And then in that, and that, because of that, it mm-hmm. just really took a turn, and so many characters after that. Yeah. Whether it's Medea's film reunion, or I mean, we'll get to them. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, because um, yeah, you were terrible, and that's <laughs> the one you with um, oh, with Lynn Whitfield.
1: Yeah, yes. that's right. Yes, that's
3: right. good was, Lynn. Mm, Love Lynn. I, you I, Lynn. I did not Love enjoy Lynn. your character. <laughs> that's mm. good. You're not supposed to. Mm-mm, no. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I want to just kind of very quickly come back to one of your best-known good guy, morally upstanding, just amazing, which was very formative for me because in 1995, I was a teenager, and I watched Set It Off.
0: Mm. (laughs) sorry. I forgot where I was. You know what?
2: (laughs) Your laugh was what I was laughing inside, so thank you for being the outward. uh, Because I remember watching that movie, and I came in there, specifically because I love Queen Latifah, mm. love Jada Pinkett back then. Was she Smith then? I don't know. Yeah, she no, was no, they she were was just a, dating at the I, I loved Jada. So I was kind of like, you know what? I'm going to just settle in. And then, obviously, I was too young to be watching this. But I was like, sure, why not? Mm-hmm. Bit of bank robbery, violence, I'm in. And mm. then... This lovely bank employer, this employee. Right. Yeah, bank manager. This guy, just Keith, just doing Keith. a good job. <laughs> Keith just came to work every day. He's <laughs> trying to, to be handle a good. He's trying to pay his taxes. He That's just wants right. to be a good man. And he falls in love mm-hmm. with Stoney. Fucking Stoney. Yeah. yeah. And then shit really hits the fan. Yeah. yeah. Now, for me in the 90s, <laughs> <clears throat> it was important for me to meet Keith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I just remember kind of thinking, Genuinely, I knew in my heart, I thought, ah, if I ever brought a Keith home, my mother would be so happy oh, for all of us. Yes. <laughs> like, isn't it great? I yeah. was so, I was so in love with Keith, the idea of Keith, but also Keith. Mm. Just kind of like, this, I remember when, when Stoney tells him to go to the faraway cafe. Mm hmm. And I was like, she's trying to save your life, Keith. Like
3: I was so, <laughs> She was in it.
2: She was I was very I was set it off meant a, a great deal to me. And again, I'm just trying to think about at that time, there was a sort of like a swell, a groundswell of young black actors, uh, mostly male. Some women too, but like this shift at the beginning of the '90s, we'd had a, a good amount of kind of like gang um, uh, cinema. Some of it classic stuff, some of yeah. it less so. And then there were there'd been like this small paradigm shift. Like, okay, we've done a bunch of like you know inner city kind of like rough and tumble shits, yeah. bad like you know movies. We're gonna move a little bit to the you know and in that way, film was catching up to TV because TV with LA Law had already you know there was already yeah. a bit of you know the Cosby's had been on. Film yeah. was trying to get into that kind of middle class kind of like oh there are other black people with other black stories mm-hmm. kind of so then mm-hmm. Keith fits right into that that whole period. So did you ever feel like when you were playing Keith um I don't know I know films are not you don't do it for years and years obviously you're in you're out but I I just did you feel like you were a part of something where you thought oh okay this is a time when we're doing this kind of um, because I don't know if it's still obviously a crime movie. yeah. But within it, this idea of, like you were saying before, about the breadth of humanity, where we get to be all these things. Were you aware of it while you were in it that I think we're on the cusp of something and things are changing again?
3: I, you know, I did eventually. Mm. I actually passed on that project first. Oh, really? Um, you know, I used to direct videos in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And F. Gary Gray, who directed set it off, mm-hmm. who's become a very hugely successful director, right. was my first AD. And the first assistant director runs a set. Right, um, And the first, first three music videos I did. And so he was now directing this film. And you know the imitation came in at the time I was shooting a film for HBO called Soul of the Game, okay. all about the Negro Leagues of baseball. Um, and I was playing Jackie Robinson. Yes. Delroy yeah. Lindo played Satchel Page and Robert oh, T. Williamson wow. played Josh Gibson, one of the best, uh, amazing batters of the Negro Leagues. And so I was in this, I was in this noble Negro zone, <laughs> and I love history. I love historical pieces, I know, and I was doing the historical piece. Yeah. And to your point, Bim, I get the script while I'm in the middle of shooting this. I'm in my hotel room, and and I knew Gary was doing it, so I was F. Gary Gray, but I knew Gary was directing. So I said, let me let me read it. And Jada was doing it, and Dana Queenatif was doing it. And I read the first 18 pages, and there was a scene where Jada decides to sleep with somebody to make money so her her brother can go to college. And I was like, I don't, I, I, I don't want to be a part of that because you're right. We were mm-hmm. at that point. We have uh, boys in the hood, mm-hmm. minister society, and mm-hmm. all these uh, urban films right. with violence and and there was a lot. There was backlash. These were successful films. People are saying like Do we always do we always have to either do slave films or mm-hmm. gangster films? Do we mm-hmm. have to do that? And so when we, this was coming along, by the way, people thought like Okay, now we're gonna do girls in the hood. So we had a lot of pushback <laughs> right. within the black community. Why are we doing another film? And now it's girls doing it now, mm-hmm. being gangsters. But anyway, so I said no, and <laughs> I said ah, thank you, but I'm gonna pass on that. And then like a week later, my manager calls and said, Okay, so they want to know, like, why did you pass? And I said, Well, you know, Helen was her name, my manager that passed. You know, I actually didn't finish reading the script. She goes, Boy, are you crazy? <laughs> read the damn script and then get back to me. Mm. Once I read it, mm. and to your point, and it's, it's beautiful to hear your response now, uh, when I saw the love story between Keith and Stoney, and I saw that in the midst of all this violence and. and what, everything else was going on i said you know this is another sh- texture that's important yes. for us to see black love yes it's important for us to see that yes. and then i also saw i call it a love story between those four yes. girls yeah. I mean, a platonic love story but the, the loyalty and the, the way they had each other's back i said this is this is powerful yes so yes in answer to your question i saw the paradigm shift in that it was going through a a, um, a female lens mm-hmm. But to play Keith and to to play that kind of that that play that lane inside that world, mm-hmm. just was very appealing. That was I was mad myself for even saying no. <laughs> but I learned a lesson. I have never to, since then said no to something unless I've read the whole thing. So I know what I'm saying no mm-hmm. to. Um, and I'm, I'm glad it is people we are talking about it to this day. Oh my God. It was a great film. I'm, and yeah. I'm proud of that film to this day to oh, be a part of. It. I
0: love that movie. Um, speaking of the love between Stony and Keith. <laughs> the love scene now we're getting into the thirst uh, content there you right go
2: because we've spoken about this on the show before yes oh have you yes. oh <laughs> mr Again. underwood we have yes. teenage just
0: burned in my brain um but and i may be mistaken you can please correct me but i feel like that is maybe the only if not one of very few um Love scenes that we've seen you in um, that's been not necessarily explicit, but you know, it gave enough for us to,
2: to understand what was, was happening, yes. yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and I remember very clearly my sister loved the moment where you um take the necklace, don't um, yes. Keith takes the necklace <laughs> and slides <laughs> it, listen, <laughs> that's right, slides it um, the in contour. between, yes, yes, <laughs>
3: <The> yes. <contour. laughs> yes. Come on an
0: artist. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I feel like, you know, obviously you have you have, um, you know, shown us that you are a beautiful man. Sometimes you'll be shirtless or like your shirt is open. There's a moment that we'll talk about in the soldiers okay. play where your shirt is opened. <laughs> I remember that very clearly. Um, but set it off that love scene. I think it is one of the rare times where you have been um, that. um I don't want to say explicit, because I don't think it was very explicit. It wasn't explicit, mm. but, but it was exposed. Yeah, uh, so exposed, and I wonder if that's something that is a conscious decision on your part, not to be too explicit in your in your um, romantic roles, because we've talked about um, some actors like Mahershal Ali, mm. he does not do explicit scenes be- you know, out of respect for his um, faith. Mm. Um, mm. We have, uh, well, I don't know if this is true, but I do remember coming up the rumors that Denzel Washington did not want to do love scenes unless they were with black women or other the women of color mm. um, and it didn't test well. Apparently, <laughs> and I was like, fair enough. No, I remember hearing that. Yeah, yeah. so I, I don't know if that's true, but that's just a rumor. So you have these um, ideas that you know sometimes people are just uncomfortable with mm-hmm. doing that, and not to say that.
1: No, I'm comfortable know. with it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like Screw. people are? Um, if you're comfortable with it, do you feel like people are are limiting you then in that regard? No,
3: I've actually done quite a bit of that in, in independent films. Sex in the City was much more explicit. Than okay. so, oh, yeah. yeah,
2: I'll I'll get yeah. to that. <laughs> um,
3: so so no, you know, I just feel I just feel as as an individual, not even as an actor, mm-hmm. but I feel as an individual, what is sexy is when there's mystery and mystique. Mm-hmm. I think a woman who has something um, sexy, the way her dress is draped or the way you know the, the pants fit. That's much more sexy to me than just a naked body. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. But, but it, it is, and I think yeah. I think it goes both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll talk about this thing in soldiers' play because it really is just a, it's like a, a it's a quick thing, yeah. As opposed to just having your shirt off, um, which is a which is more explicit, yeah. Um, so there's 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 a, there's always more to guess and to look for and, and think about.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Ava DuVernay, who you worked with on I Will Follow, she has talked about she does not do explicit um, sex scenes she has talked about it's the before and the after where mm. all the intimacy is yes, and and i i love that um mm. even though you know i'm a little hot-blooded i love this <laughs> idea that it's the tenderness that that happens before and after is where you find the romance the intimacy the mm. the companionship between people i absolutely agree
3: with that so, you know don't say if you're an yeah. adult you know what sex is so yeah. i just feel like it's, it's sometimes it's way too much mm. but if it, you know when i did sex in the city i knew what i was walking into the name of the show was sex <laughs> right. Right. So <laughs> yeah. In the city, so I knew that it's gonna be in the city, yeah.
2: It's gonna be sex, yep. yeah. Got it. Exactly.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: So, no,
0: I didn't watch Sex in the City, um, I really did. I really did. Was the, is now, our expert here from All Keith right.
2: to Dr. Robert Leeds. Like, <clears> hmm, <throat> <laughs> allow me to prepare my thesis. I <laughs> I remember when he turned up, and I, I remember kind of thinking, oh, there are black people in New York. Hello, <laughs> right? Because the show did not.
0: Really reflect there was, the diversity of the
2: city. It did not, and there was there had been one foray previously where Samantha um, uh, Samantha had been with uh, this black guy called Siobhan and it was that was a whole mess of a storyline, and that really kind of made me think, you know, maybe we shouldn't be in this. It's fine. This is <laughs> in diversity. Who cares? It's fine because it was so bad. And then Robert came along, and so this this struck me because Robert came along, and then I also watched something new, and I was like. They set Blair up to be like this incredibly attractive, wonderful person, but he's not going to get the girl, mm. and it the girl's annoyed me. The white guy. Yeah, the white <laughs> exactly. And I was like, these motherfuckers, like, ah! at, like, it's so. How can you make me not root for Blair? You bastards! You did this. <laughs> but what I loved about Robert was that he was this. He was so un-macho and he was so un. I don't know, I liked how real he was. Like, mm. you know, he saw this woman, he liked this woman, they started going out. And at every turn, he he was just like a very good, again, not without complexity, but a good guy. Like, yeah. really one of those people that, you know, you date and you're kind of like, huh, there's nothing wrong with him. Hmm. he's not broken oh Hmm. oh that's nice (laughs) but what I loved after Miranda does this kind of like I'm so sorry you know you've wandered in it was blah 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 She's breaking up with him and Robert becomes the pettiest motherfucker alive and it made me so happy because I was like finally there he is because it's real it's real I love that scene so much because and you play it so well because you're hurt and you're just kind of like and the way it comes in the stairwell. Comes, Thank you. In the stairwell yeah. His face is just kind of like you can see his hurt, but he lashes out because when mm. you're humiliated, you lash out. Right. Yeah. I love that scene so much, and I was always sad that he didn't have a longer arc. I wanted him to be just there forever because ah. I just I really enjoyed your performance oh, and I thought you. Robert the character was again one of the weird I was like oh they can write black characters mm-hmm. if they take the time mm-hmm. and your playing of him was just really something special and I, I loved that and then I remember thinking about him obviously watching something new and I was like they've mm. done it again
1: <laughs> 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 they've made me
2: choose this white guy over <laughs> black which I'm not mad at but still you know <laughs> just like damn it but yeah anyway, I, I, love, I love Robert but yeah my, that's my one of my favourite scenes in the whole series is when he Kind of taunts Miranda, are just kind mm. of like, why did you even, why did you let me into your life? Like you knew, oh yeah, you know,
3: yeah, you know, you had this thing for Steve, right? Yeah, that's right.
2: Why would you do that? But anyway, no,
1: but th- no go ahead. No, anyway. no, no.
2: I was going to say, but that that was one of the things that I found so compelling. Do you do you when you were asked to do that and you did that? What were you thinking? Because, you know, like you said, Sex and City.
3: Well, I love that you're such an aficionado of Sex and the City.
2: <laughs> Huge.
3: Yeah, no, because, you know, I, I've never seen this episode with you mentioned Samantha and Siobhan, was it? Yeah.
2: Uh, yes, it was.
3: Never well, saw that episode, but. You shouldn't watch it, Blair. But, you know, we talked about, we started the conversation with longevity that I'm very grateful for. But if there's a reason for that, it's because of. I've tried to be very selective in the roles I take and what I don't take. So that was another situation. They offered me that role. Mm-hmm. Uh, Siobhan. Oh,
2: they did. I don't know. Oh. So Siobhan
3: the character. I never saw it. Yeah,
2: yeah, he was. He was the he was like uh, a what was
3: he? Well, he, all I know is when I saw it, I read it and it was all about Samantha's curiosity with a black yes, man. Yes. Are, the, are the are the are the rumors true? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. The size. And I said, yeah. I don't I'm not I don't wanna do that. Yeah. Thank you. Um so it was like two years later they came back with this character right. and I said, So here's the deal. And I've had this conversation with about five different producers on at least five or six different projects. Yeah. I'm not gonna be the black guy that you don't quite understand.
1: Mm.
3: unless we can write a story that's all about the racial dynamics, especially if it's an interracial relationship. Right. We can get into the nuts and bolts in the real stuff. But just to do something that you think black people say and do, if you mm-hmm. don't really quite understand my culture, it's okay if you don't, but I'd rather not do that dance. Mm. So I just take race off the table right. or have mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. the past. I said, so if this guy can just be a man
1: mm-hmm.
3: who happens to be black, that, that Miranda falls in love with, right. then I'll do that dance. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's that's how I. You asked how did I feel when that came yeah. came on the table? That's how I felt. I said, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to do that dance about being the black guy because I mm-hmm. saw how you guys treated that the last time, right. and they agreed. So if you look at you know you saw it. So I think I did five episodes. Mm-hmm. Only once did his race come up came yeah. come up, and that was Samantha talking about so yeah. something about it. You're with the black guy, yeah. And that, and that was, but it was, it was in a po- very positive yes.
2: thing, yeah. But so. I, I I I love that because again, speaking about we've spoken a lot about how TV has changed over the course of your career. And it's interesting to see the places where more black lives are allowed to kind of be explored and mm. to be and where it used to be and where, how far we still have to go Yeah, because it's not the norm that you get to play a character you know who is not suffering from some kind of racial trauma right. or whatever you know it, like it's, it's fine to do that it's a reality of life in America for many people but I also just think it's it. it's this is it Just yeah. and I that's what I loved and that's another thing that I loved about Something New which again I watched slightly obsessively which is fine <laughs> um, but it's fine I've got over it I saw a therapist I'm fine but I just remember 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 again one of the things that one of the characters says is ibm the ideal black man and it made me laugh because i thought in that regard you really couldn't get a better like actor than Blair Underwood to play <laughs> <laughs> La- well, you. you know what i mean like he's he's played the ideal black man so many times mm-hmm. in different forms in different films and mm. like on tv and on, in film so it just when she said that and then it turned out to be um you i was like mm, good casting good <laughs> job everyone everyone's cooking with gas today like strange strange I- <laughs> exactly <laughs>
0: We do want to talk about A Soldier's Play, which you are currently starring in now. Um, I saw it. It's incredible. Thank you for coming. I'm going
2: to come too, man. (laughs) I (laughs) don't want to feel left (laughs) out. I'm sorry.
0: Um, You've talked a little bit about how you are very much interested in black history and honoring um, our history and the things that we have gone through. Did that play a role in why you chose to be a part of this production?
3: Oh, yeah. You know, this one checked a lot of boxes. That being one of them, mm-hmm. uh, being a lover of history, being a lover of and a respecter of our um, armed services. Um, my father's the retired army colonel, twenty nine years. Um, so I grew up; I was an army brat. I grew up uh, self self proclaimed army brat. <laughs> yeah. I grew up on you know army bases um, up until high school. So uh-huh. the, the whole understanding of living in a military family and and the sacrifices of of uh, military personnel is um, very much in in my blood. So to be able to portray a character like that, it's not the first time, but in this piece, that's where the other boxes come into play. The fact that it was Charles Fuller, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Pulitzer Prize winning play, the iconic history of, you know, the 1980s version that the Negro Ensemble Company produced off-Broadway, the NEC that starred Denzel Washington Sam Jackson Jim Pickens Brent Jennings so many other people who've had an incredible career since then the movie so, uh, spawn the Soldier's story yeah. two years later 1983 so it's a whole history and the fact that it, it had never been on Broadway mm-hmm. it's the first time on Broadway it's been produced all over the world literally mm-hmm. so to be a part of that and to work with David Alan Greer mm-hmm. who right. was a part of and
0: he was a part of the film
3: right? he, was part of the, he was in the film yep. and he was also in the play that play ran for two years wow. he, was, he ran the last couple months mm-hmm. of that run so this is his third iteration of uh, wow. third bite of the apple of, of uh, soldiers play, uh, but no, it's an amazing and to work with Kenny Leon also right. The he's, director. A,
2: he's a legend. Yeah,
3: Kenny, is this is fifteenth Broadway play. His
2: name for... just comes up and I'm like Kenny again. <laughs>
1: Kenny <laughs>
2: stays employed. He's I'm like, don't worry about stayed, me. <laughs> I'll be I'll be on Broadway. Come find me. I love <laughs> every right. time I see his name. I'm like Kenny. All right, Kenny. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bim is a playwright, by the way.
3: Oh, for real? Yeah. Ahead, Bim.
2: <laughs> Thanks oh, for the yes. plug. I appreciate yeah. that. Yes, I had my first play stage in London last year.
3: Congratulations. Thank That's you huge. What's the name of it?
2: It's called Horde. Horde. It, yes, it's about a Nigerian British family ah. in East London, which is loosely based on my family. But you know, it was right. yeah, it was very uh, yeah, it was very Thanks, Nicole. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I was very proud of that. Well, I'll
4: be looking for
3: your stuff yeah. Thank when you, you bring it to the United States, or well, I have to come my to London ho- and see it. My
2: hope is, my hope is that an American producer <coughs> will hear this and contact me. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I was very, I was very honoured. Um, and yeah, it's it's wonderful to kind of, it's interesting to kind of see a play on on the page and how it kind of translates and how oh, it evolves. Yeah. You know, I remember w- when we were doing it, we started out, you know workshop. And then, you know, you do a lot of changes, a lot of edits, and then sure. the final thing is so different. And I, I'm always fascinated to see how something translates. Oh, and yeah. with someone like David Allen Greer being on every iteration of it, mm-hmm. that becomes interesting as well, like how the play evolves as the more you perform it. Yeah. So the play is still kind of, you know, new on stage, and uh, you know, this production. Mm-hmm. Are you already feeling um, yourself, like, changing and, like, fitting in into the role in a different way oh, the longer yeah. you play?
3: Every night I find something new. You know, we've been running... Only five weeks now. It's an eleven-week mm-hmm. run, so we have six weeks left, and then we'll be done March fifteenth. But but still, I mean, every night I'm finding something new. Um, it, you know, it's one of those plays, like any great play, Shakespeare, whatever it is. You can't lean back, mm-hmm. even when you think you know it and you've done it a million times. You can't mm-hmm. just lean back. So every every night when the curtain goes up, you have to lean into it and just and drive it. Because I, I think a couple nights ago I was you know feeling very comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, cause we've been doing it so many times right. and we, you know, we've done it all, all the reviews have come out and we, you know, we had opening night and, and done this thing a million times. And my opening, I have this long opening monologue and yes. something just happened. It was a two show day. So we were, I had already done the matinee. Right. This was an evening performance. Mm-hmm. And I just said a line and my mind played tricks on me. I was like, did I say
1: that line already? What <laughs> mm-hmm. did
3: I say it three hours ago? Did I just mm-hmm. say it? Anyway, so I got lost for a second. Then you get out of it, but, but it's, yeah. it's live theater. Mm-hmm. Anything goes.
2: Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah and it's yeah it's a new play every night it's a I new think play it's... every night
3: new play and you know the audience informs that too Right. Yeah. like tonight we ha- I just I heard I- I'm a Sigma Phi Beta Sigma mm-hmm. we have 60 Sigma members coming tonight Ooh. so I know it's going to be a little raucous <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a different show tonight <laughs> exactly
0: are you, I was going to say are you going to like sneak a little hand signal up? Five?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I might sneak it in there <laughs>
0: Um, For those who are unfamiliar with A Soldier's Play, can Mm. you give us a synopsis, please?
3: Absolutely. It is, first and foremost, a whodunit. It's a murder Mm -hmm. mystery. So we start with that genre of it all. Set in 1944 during World War II, an all-black battalion in... The sergeant of that battalion, played by David Alan Greer, Sergeant Waters, is murdered at the beginning of the play. Mm. So that's the murder mystery. My character, Captain Richard Davenport, comes into the mix, and he investigates that, um, the murder and tries to <laughs> but, find out what happened. What are you giggling about?
2: There is—I'm so sad. <laughs> I just caught the other quarter of our—I'm like, Nicole's happy. Go on. Explain yourself. <laughs> there is
0: um, a moment, a couple of moments in the play— where Captain Davenport has sunglasses on yeah, and it really bothers the white men around him. Mm. And I mean, number one, it is kind of rude to have on sunglasses when you're inside and you're talking to people. But there's also the level of racism Mm -hmm. that comes with that because, uh, you know, at that time and, and even still to this day in some places, they, um, white people want to make sure that you are not looking them in the eye, that your eyes are appropriately downcast in front of them, that you're not being, you know, um, Sassy that you're not doing mm-hmm. anything with your eyes to reflect how much you hate them because mm-hmm. that's another thing that they were afraid not only were they afraid of uh, you not being submissive enough but they were also afraid of seeing your dislike of them mm-hmm. in their in their eyes right. so Captain Davenport has the sunglasses on in, in one scene and then there's another scene later where he has to interview these two uh, white men one of whom is very uh, very racist mm-hmm. very proud to be racist mm-hmm. and so he comes in the office and he's you know he's just regular, he's whatever, but when these men come in, he puts those sunglasses on oh. and it clearly signals to the audience and then the the little titter that went through the audience was just <laughs> fantastic. It was just a great oh, wow. moment. A, it was yeah.
3: great. Well, you know, those glasses represent, to me, um, you know, another aspect of why I think white people, especially then, did not want black folks to look them in the eyes and, and step off the sidewalk this and the other was they did not want to be challenged mm-hmm. by them. So... You know, the only time Captain Richard Davenport wears those glasses is when he's confronting white men.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know,
3: it's Captain Taylor. who's, And that's another issue in the play, just the fact that Cap, my character is of equal rank to Jerry O'Connell's character, Captain mm-hmm. Taylor. Right. And he just can't get used to it. And, and he does a whole monologue. He yeah. can't get used to black folks. Just, yeah. He says the uniforms and the bars and the ranks does not look right on Negroes. Yeah, so he, mm-hmm. that's, that's where he, we, we go. And that's what my character is, is confronting from the very beginning. Right. So it's his way of also intimidating White men, yeah. To say I'm, a, I'm, I'm looking you in your eye, but you just can't see my eyes. Yeah. I'm not looking away. I'm not looking down.
1: Yeah.
3: And, and 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 in that scene, he says, "Take those glasses off, cause it's getting to him." Mm-hmm. I say, "No, nah, I like these glasses. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'm gonna keep. Them, I'm gonna do my job, and I like them because they're like MacArthur's, mm-hmm. or General MacArthur from World War II. Right. And, uh It always gets a good, a good laugh. But no, I love that 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 coloring and that that texture to the character that yeah. Charles Fuller put in there.
2: Yeah, it's something magical. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna watch this. I, I promise. I'm. I'm. It's, You're gonna I've come backstage and say hello? Um, yes. You gonna come
3: back? Well, You've already seen it, but, oh,
2: but come if back. If I can come backstage, come back. Yeah. We'll go back. We'll be, oh no, it's fine, guys. We know Blair. It's yeah. fine. It's fine. Just <laughs> let us through. it That sounds lovely. Um, so if you, I mean, my fingers and toes are crossed. Come on, Tony nomination. Come on, Tony uh, win. <laughs> at which point you will be one step closer to egotting.
3: Oh, well, that would be. I can't even <laughs> go there with you, but at least, like there's there's two boxes checked.
2: That's. It's great. Yeah. I mean, it's wonderful. Because you, ha- you mentioned your interest in history and the source of your Emmy, the source of your uh, your Grammy is mm. kind of really interesting. Just, again, your interest outside of your regular kind of work. Yeah. Um, you got the Emmy for Give. Yeah. Um, and then you got the Grammy for uh, the spoken word for An Inconvenient Truth. Yeah, that's right. And it's kind of like, oh, what, what's he going to get the Oscar for? Ah. Is he going <laughs> to get the Tony for? <laughs> it's exciting. It's nice to kind of contact. I'm you're really excited
3: about that. Yeah. yeah. It's
2: na- listen. I don't know if you know this, uh, sir, <laughs> but you're you're very talented. Oh, what are you? <laughs> <laughs> I know, and it's it's a treat again, as we said, to kind of see that kind of thing rewarded. I know that mm. oftentimes the powers that be do not recognise talent and ability and hard work mm. in a way that you think is appropriate, and some of that it's is true. subjective, some of it is whatever. But I do think that there is historically, and we know this, and it's very provable, that oftentimes people don't get their flowers. At any point. And so it's always a a, a treat when, oh, someone's doing work and someone's getting the applause, they're getting the notice. And also because so much of the notice and the applause is tied again to your quote. And so again, it's kind of like, it's important. When people kind of go, oh, make your own. And it's like, "Mm, of course, we're making our own. But there is a reason why the official channels that we know we know why that matters as well and Mm. i think in the course of career and considering especially how long you've been doing this and how well you've been doing there should be rewards that are apparent and we see them and that makes us feel good and so it does have that feeling of like oh yeah when you win it's kind of like it's like you know i know i didn't win but i kind of did because i'm a fan and it's nice to see so that's why i'm pushing for the tony so Mm. if the tony voters are out there go see this play oh, you're and then nominate accordingly. It's just, you know, you're
3: your sweetheart. And thank you for saying that. You know, the Emmy was one for producing a show, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. called give about philanthropy. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned that because, you know, so much of what we do is, is about giving back mm-hmm. is about entertaining and performing and all of that. But it's, it's about trying to be selfless, but it, but it is nice when people notice the work. Right. Yeah. And I know, I, I just know of too many, too many, incredibly talented people Hmm. who you're speaking of people doing the work and aren't being acknowledged, but too many people who aren't given the opportunity to even get the work. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's why, and the reason I mentioned Give, that's why I started focusing on producing product to give more people opportunities to tell their story. Now, that's that's a non-scripted, unscripted piece, but just... Looking to do more projects where actors are hired, directors are hired, producers are hired. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Ava Duane is a dear friend for 20-some-odd years, but she's also one of my heroes Mm. because of what she's been able to accomplish and Mm -hmm. the way she's employing specifically black women as mm -hmm. directors and Mm -hmm. filmmakers. So that's 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 where my main focus is i must continue to do my work yeah and do my thing but if i can open up other opportunities for other people to my production company in other um, ways and means then i'm focused on doing that too
0: that's great right, because uh, along those lines you have a film that recently opened at sundance
1: yeah that was just
0: picked up um by hulu mm-hmm. yeah. called bad hair directed yeah. by justin simeon who is um he directed dear white people yeah um so i Feel like that speaks to um, your need to pull people up with you and, and make sure that everyone is getting their uh, their opportunities. Even if you just oh, pop on, on, you know, on the, and you're just there, you know, as a supporting role or whatever. It's still that's that's major to be like I have Blair Underwood in my film, right? Oh well, you know? well,
3: well, thank you. And you're right, I'm bad here. I don't play a big role in it, but he he said, you know, I did a little run on uh, Dear White People, and he said, mm-hmm. would you come? on board I said, Yeah, like Ava's first movie.
1: Right. You
3: know, I met her when I was doing City of Angels.
1: Oh, wow. uh, Twenty something years ago. It was a
3: black drama in a hospital mm-hmm, for those mm-hmm. who hadn't seen it. And she was a, the publicist was hired to promote that project Amazing. before she was even directing. Yeah. And I uh, just just loved and adored her spirit and her drive, yes. her hustle, her passion, but her brilliance mm-hmm. also. Um, so yeah, so you know if she calls, yeah, I'll show up. And Justin calls, Yeah, I'll show up. You know, if I have the time and I can do it, why not?
2: Mm -hmm. why not right that's incredible I love it it's great before we go though I have to just play a clip for you so I mentioned before
1: what you got
2: (laughs) (laughs) We we have mentioned you with love and respect on this show because obviously we're huge fans and we've been watching for so long and so we had one of, our, one of the friends of the show, Davina. She's hilarious. She's fantastic. And she, we were talking about, you know, certain people over the years. And she said, I'm glad you mentioned, because here is someone that I have loved for a very long time. She used to watch you when she was younger on L.A. Law with her mom and her grandma. Apparently, her grandma thought you looked like Sam Cooke. And so she was yeah. in love with you. <laughs> and then, <laughs> so we have a little clip from when we spoke to Davina about um, <laughs> you being just... Some kind of version of IBM. Yeah, you
0: being Blair.
5: Oh, you being okay.
2: Blaving Blair, Blair. You know. And this is what she said, and I just want to play this so you can hear it. All right.
5: Forward to like 2005, and I'm in my 20s, and I see him on Sex in the City. He played Miranda's boyfriend for a few episodes, and at that time, I was like, Yes, this man is fine as hell. Yes, okay, Grandma, I get it. Yes, and now I'm in my 30s, and As an even more mature woman. He is even hotter to me. Because Blair Underwood is like. A grown man. He's grown man fine. You know. And it's like the older I get. The more I appreciate him. It's like my thirst gets more potent. As I age. I just. He's just so fine. I just want to watch him do stuff. Like even little things. Like. Like. I just want to watch him take off his watch at the end of the day.
3: Oh, Vina's going in. <laughs> that is hilarious. We love Vina. Uh, I don't even to, know Vina, but I love Vina.
2: Vina wants yes. to watch you take off your watch at the end of a day. And that to me is the epitome of First Aid Kit, where it's not, yeah, someone's cute, someone's whatever. Yeah. It. But it's just, I just want to. I just want to watch you take off your watch. It's such a specific kind of <laughs> thing. That's very specific.
3: I've never, I've never heard that, I have to tell
0: you. <laughs> um, can you talk about, um, again, you've, you have a 35-year career so far. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about the ways that people have expressed um, their attraction to you, their love for you? How has it changed from late 80s through the 90s, through the you know uh, early aughts? to present day mm-hmm. have you noticed a, a change obviously social media plays a role in mm-hmm. how things and how uh, people express their desire those memes that you talked about mm-hmm. earlier and things like that but yeah. I'm wondering you know people probably have gone from you know mailing their panties to you <laughs> to, <laughs> right. just
2: to saying they want to see you take off your watch yeah <laughs> yeah that's
3: a- I you know I think social media is the biggest thing because now people can anonymously say what they want to say that they won't say if like face to face necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think other than that, you know, human nature is human nature, and it's just expressed in, in through different mm-hmm. modes. And now it's social media.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Is there um, a memorable um, piece of fan mail that you've ever received that you've you've just been kind of like, okay, I, I thank you, but. We got to let that one go. Um,
3: <laughs> um, panties and a, a half smoked cigarette.
2: Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> she let you know. Oh,
3: yeah. She was putting her brother on blast. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so I, that is amazing. I think I better
3: just put this away. <laughs> I don't know where those panties have been. Oh, my God. <laughs> or where the cigarettes that cigarette's make- been, for that matter. <laughs>
0: mailing the panties. I was just being silly. I didn't no, think that people
3: no, actually... Know. Had... Oh, you'd be surprised.
2: Oh, my yes, god. Listen, yeah. postage was cheap. You can wow. send that's anything. Right. <laughs> you can send anything. Right. Put it into a little plastic. Just send it. Wow. Uh,
0: when we were first um, trying to book, book you to come into the studio, um, the day that we typically record, you were unavailable because mm. you that's the day that you want to spend with your family. That's your, your day. Mm. And I wonder how long did it take you to get to a point where you could say no, this is my time, mm. and this, this is what I have to do for myself and for my family, and I can't, I can't take this responsibility right now.
3: I think early on, you know, I, I, I heard years ago Denzel Washington do an interview, and he said, and I never forgot this, you always have the right to say no. Mm. Now, in the context of that interview, he's talking about professional choices, but I just took that to mean, and for myself, just in life. You know, I come from a very close-knit family. I have an older brother and two younger sisters, and just family comes first, Always ha- has always come first. So I've always tried to just find that balance between whatever my hustle is, whatever I have to do for my work and my, my profession, but never lose sight of a family, mm. you know, whether well, it's mm-hmm. wife, kids, siblings, parents, you know. Mm-hmm. At this point, my dad's 87, my mom's 84, so um, they live in Virginia. I'm working in New York, so I try to get up to Virginia as often as I can because right. they're aging and right.
2: you know, yeah.
3: grateful for every day. Right.
2: So (laughs) you have a couple of projects coming up that we are very excited about. The first one is self-made, which is about uh, the first black female billionaire, Madam CJ Walker. Mm -hmm. And... You play her husband, who is by her side in the come up. CJ Walker. CJ Walker, yes. What was that like? And what can we expect?
3: Well, let me just say this. So it's on Netflix. It starts March 20th. It's a a four hour limited series, like When They See Us was on on, on Netflix. Octavia Spencer, the Academy Award winning Octavia Spencer, plays Madam CJ Walker. And I have to say, she was the first female. Black or white, first female self-made millionaire in this country, which mm-hmm. is amazing. Mm-hmm. And she made her money in the early 1900s by creating black hair products for, for, for black women. And uh, it's an amazing story. Tiffany Haddish plays her daughter. Mm-hmm. J. Alphonse Nicholson, who's in uh, Soldiers Play, is in it as well. Garrett Morris. Mm-hmm. Um, I play a son. And I, and I play C.J. Walker. So her name was actually Sarah Breedlove. but sign of the times she was known in relationship to her husband that's Mrs. C.J. Walker Madam mm-hmm. C.J. Walker um, so yeah so please check that out that's coming soon
0: that's right. great and you also have Olympic Pride American Prejudice the right. book is coming out just
3: hit stores uh-huh. yesterday so where, where books are sold or am, or Amazon.com yes. but anywhere there, books are sold
1: Oh but yeah.
3: in a nutshell if, if a lot of us know of Jesse Owens 1936 Olympics mm-hmm. he won four gold medals mm-hmm. there were 17 other African Americans who history has forgotten this right. is their story in addition to Jesse but right. it's really uh, is shining a light on who these people were it's based on a documentary that deborah riley draper produced wrote directed i executive produced with her and i narrate the documentary this is the book that's published under my simon schuster but my imprint blair underwood presents so any good books good stories i'm always looking for good stories to print
2: my heart I love everything I love (laughs)
1: everything
2: Um, one final thing I just have to say this again because uh, you were speaking before again I I, I saw that um, Alfred Woodard has just put on her sister soiree that she puts on every year uh, Um. for all the black women in Hollywood pre-Oscars and of course that made me think of Juanita where you play a version (laughs) of yourself which made me laugh so much. Oh, man. And Alfred's fantastic. Obviously, I will watch her forever. But I remember every time you came on, this, on the screen, I burst out laughing because it was kind of like a heightened parody version right. of, like, again, the IBM. <laughs> and I love it so much because uh, Cher is going to play us a clip. Uh, our producer is going to play a clip. <laughs> but I love this clip so much because it just seems to me to be exactly what Vina was talking about, about, you know. At least two generations of women just kind of going, oh, Blair. <laughs> and it made me, it made me so happy to see. Uh, let's play the clip. All right.
0: Tisha, your mama's a hoe. You know, right?
3: Juanita. Well, Look at Blair
1: Underwood.
3: Since <laughs> I met you, it's like I'm, it's like I'm breathing from a different
1: place. Oh, mm. oh, mm. it's like a drum.
4: <laughs> I just want to make you happy, baby. Can I do that?
1: Oh, the, man.
2: the music in the, the music, background. The whole. Oh. I, I literally would burst out laughing every time. I knew it was coming and I would just laugh so hard. It's so <laughs> funny. And your face is the whole. I mean, I, I bless everyone involved I in that. I have to.
3: We, we laughed so hard on that set. Alfie's another one. We've known each other 25, 30 years and right. her husband, Roderick. And he, Roderick, wrote that for her. Um. adapted exactly from a book. And it just, you know, to, to, to poke fun at yourself. Whatever yeah. your image is and just mm-hmm. have fun with it. We we had we had a great time doing that one.
2: That's great. Oh, that's it awesome. just I it yeah. made me laugh. I just thought, oh Blair's aware. Okay, this is great. <laughs> he's well aware of like the, yes. the the vision of like himself in people's yes. minds. And so I just I loved watching it because it was so and you know, the, the fantasy breaks and he's asking you for money and whatever <laughs> and I was like
3: Yeah, there's that 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 turn. Yeah. Like, okay, so there's other, another side to Another yeah. side.
2: I love it so much.
0: Oh, there you right. go. Well this has been a Valentine's Day treat oh, and a black already. history a month treat Listen, i mean this is
2: um, this is that black excellence yeah, right here i
0: just uh, i feel like this is one of the top 10 moments for the rest of my life
2: i believe
3: oh, that oh, this i that too for me. Uh, oh it's yeah. wonderful <laughs> like, like I I I have... bim y'all are on it i <laughs> love uh, it
0: thank you so much oh my god <laughs> <laughs> it's a compliment from blair underwood <laughs> <laughs> Oh my, oh my
2: gosh my sister is just going to have a fit it's fine oh my God. it's fine I'm genuinely so pleased so happy that you could make it and yes. you have exceeded every incredibly lofty expectation. so thank you oh, thank, thank you, you so Good. much Blair Underwood um, there you have it I'm going to go die now okay bye
3: guys <laughs> congrats on the podcast and keep keep doing it thank, thank you so much thank you yeah. very
2: much <music>
0: Thursday Kit is a Slate production produced by Cher Vincent
2: and us, Nicole Perkins and Vim me. Our music is by Tanya Morgan. You can follow Blair on Twitter and Facebook at Blair Underwood, all one word. And he's also on Instagram at Blair Underwood underscore official. You can follow the show at Thirst Aid Kit. And we are at Bimadew, that's B-I-M-A-D-E-W, and Tennessee Whiskey Woman, that's T-N, Whiskey with an E, woman. And we're on Tumblr at ThirstAidKitPodcast.tumblr.com. Feel free to live tweet your listen if you like.
0: Please use the hashtag TAKPOD, that's T-A-K-P-O-D, when you do. You can also
2: send us delightful feedback via email at at slate.com. If you want to use our Thirst service, yes, it's still going, just send us a short and we mean no longer than a minute message. The number is 510-984-4778. That's 510-984. Thirst. Non-U.S. Thirst Buckets can send us a short voice note via email at thirstaidkit@slate.com. at Slate.com.
0: You can find all of our episodes and links to listen at Slate.com slash podcasts. And guess what? We are doing bonus segments every episode that's just for Slate Plus members. There'll be something different every week. For example, recurring discussions about high-priority thirst items like rolled up shirt sleeves or gray sweatpants even <laughs> and other times we'll have on a special guest to talk about their thirst objects and something we call explain yourself where our guests try to convince us to join the thirst bandwagon of people we don't quite see it for basically you're going to get an extra dose of Thursday kit every week so you do not
2: want to miss out on that To listen, you have to join Slate Plus. Slate Plus is Slate's membership program, and for just $35 for the first year, you're gonna get a little extra from this show, plus all other Slate shows, like Dear Prudence, The Waves, which Nicole is a part of, and (laughs) and Culture Gab Fest. You'll also get to listen to all your Slate shows without any ads. But most importantly, you will be supporting the work we do here at Thursday Kit, so please sign up and start to enjoy these premium sips to slake your thirst. Head over to Slate.com forward slash plus to sign up.
0: We'll be back next week. And in the meantime, thirst responsibly. Tell a friend about us and wear socks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Good. Well, what we do here on thirst Aid Kit? Oh, I know you're...
3: about y'all. Uh-oh. <laughs> go on, go on, Nicole.
1: Break it down. <laughs> I feel called out. Wow.